Welcome to episode 22. Today we're going to be talking about the 1982 film The Thing from my favorite director, John Carpenter. It is a remake, and the original one's called The Thing from Outer Space. Yes, or A Thing from Another World. Which, sadly, both of us have not seen. Not yet. But now we're going to go back and watch it. Eventually. You know, I think it's sad that we haven't seen that one, but we have seen the prequel. Around 2011, 2010. 2011. 2011. For some reason, in the middle of all these remakes, these horror remakes that become so popular, they decided to not remake the thing and not have a sequel, but do a prequel. And fuck it up. Completely. Seriously, we we are easily established. One, you have so much you could have done with a prequel still, even though, yes, we already know what happens to the base that you decided to make the prequel based on. But at the same time, that's all you get in this movie is a base. You could have done so much with it, but all you do is then pretty much remake the original and then call it a prequel and still fuck it up by making sure that there were no Norwegian actors or Norwegian characters in this whole goddamn movie. There's no way for me to remember the first time I saw this movie. I'm thinking maybe on TV. I think I might have saw this on TV once. No, I don't think I don't. I don't believe they were shown this on TV. All right, so I guess I will go through mine because believe it or not, my first time watching this, I was actually 15. Surprisingly, um, wow. My, hmm? wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, to be honest, the only time I ever heard about this movie, my dad, he was big fan of. He's still still a big fan. He always talks about the ending, how it gives him the chills. But mm. you know, finally, you know, I see it. I was like, hey, Dad, I don't have any money, but you keep saying, talking about this movie. I sit down, I watch it, me and him both watch it, and I'm just on the floor. The movie took my breath away. So you were like me, basically. You were like getting the chills while watching it, like your father also. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with so. Yeah, this movie, I mean, I get cold watching it, honestly. Oh, yeah. They, not only the just from the everything going on but you feel that the characters and the actors are cold Look, throughout the whole movie it's obviously it's springtime i was watching it today and in the middle of the movie i went upstairs and put a sweater on <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why it made no sense it was not cold in the household i was wearing a blanket see i should have just got the blanket but i i went to my winter my winter closet and got a sweater out yeah I, no sense. I had to pull my uh blanket that i've had actually since i was 15 as well uh, I pulled my blanket up over my over me. It's like ah, uh, now I feel nice and toasty. I also feel like I feel like I've been to Antarctica now. Like I don't feel like I ever need to visit Antarctica because I feel like with this movie I've experienced the the cold depths of Antarctica. Uh, I don't think I need to go to Antarctica because there's nothing there except for ice and snow. Weird time zones where it doesn't get dark at night. So. And also very possibly alien creatures from another world that uh, takes over your body, absorbs you, and then re- and then imitates you. Yeah, but forget Antarctica. That could be in your local high school, as we saw last week. So. Yeah, but this Mary thing Beth Louis. You. No way. Let's not get back into Mary Beth Hutchinson. I need to look up that actress's uh, IMDb and see if she appeared in anything else after the faculty. Because in hindsight, I'm a pretty big fan of hers. She probably continued playing Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson throughout like five different movies. I'm down with that. Okay. <laughs> it's like the character just kept dying but coming back. What is, what is Norwegian? Norwegian? Yeah, what is that? Norway. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are you sure? <laughs> is it that simple? Yes. Norway, I mean, Norwegian. I guess, uh, I guess you're Kurt Russell in this sense because, remember, Kurt Russell kept calling them Swedens. Yeah, that's why I was getting confused because, like, I was like, what? The, like, the whole opening, Kurt Russell's just like, 
damn Swedes and the fucking copper was like Norwegians. Yeah, I don't know. I was confused about. Well, anyways, well. We so can any, we just talk about this goofy have, ass opening? Very, very opening actually is of course a spaceship heading to Earth. But let me get your opinion on this because I feel like I don't know if I need that spaceship. I don't feel like I need that scene. I feel like it doesn't take away from the movie or anything like that. But you know, if there yeah. was going to be some kind of mysterious, a mystery element to the movie, then. That's kind of completely ruined here. We're like, okay, this is clearly an alien. Well, uh, the only thing I would say is you could keep the scene. You can take it out. Movie really doesn't change. Only thing that could potentially change is the fact that this could have been a prehistoric organism that's been resurfaced now that it's thawed out. Or it could or it could have potentially been an alien if they decided to also keep out the spaceship scene. But you, we see the spaceship at the beginning. We see the spaceship later in the movie. It's kind of hard to deny alien. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly by watching the movie, eventually you get the idea that it's definitely an alien. But do we need it at the very beginning? I don't know. But it's okay. It's a small thing. It's not a big deal at all. It does lead to the kick-ass title scene of the thing coming out like that. So you can't go wrong with that. Right, but the, the then we go to this goofy opening. And I say goofy because, you know... You're following a dog. The dog's being chased by a helicopter, and the guy's shooting. For one, this guy's a bad shot because he's not even hitting anywhere near this damn dog. Maybe it's a really cunning dog, though, who's avoiding all the bullets. And but that would have been fine if I was seeing like some kind of snow spray from where the bullet would hit the ground. They didn't have the budget for that. <laughs> Which annoys me because when they get to the camp, then there's snow spray from where the bullet hits the ground. <laughs> Wow. But post-production, baby. And then here's another part that was goofy. They get to the compound. The guy gets off, and he's about to throw a grenade. He goes to throw it, and it slips out of his hand. I'm just like, and the dude. Guy, the guy in Norwegian says, oh, shit. Yeah, might as well. And I'm just like, dude, you telling me you don't know how to throw a grenade? You should not have a grenade in your hand. The, the whole opening was just goofy you can see the point of it because they had to get the dog to the base and i but but to be fair yes i don't know did you need it goofy it literally i literally was waiting for a hyuck coming from the damn norwegian yeah the the, i mean the only thing that stuck to me is like really goofy was him just like dropping the the grenade behind him and blowing up his own helicopter and then i don't know if i if it makes sense for him to be shooting at the the people and shooting the guy in the leg thus having them fire back and killing you <laughs> so it wasn't really a bright move on his part i'm thinking maybe you know again if you don't have the spaceship then from this opening scene maybe you're thinking it's gonna be like a killer dog movie <laughs> yeah well and, the, and also there is one more thing we kind of learn in this scene at least that may not be a little goofy kurt russell does not like losing yeah so <laughs> i mean this is 1982 folks and this guy is playing online chess where he loses and he pours wine into the computer yeah he pours his whiskey into the computer destroying it and goes fucking cheater yeah that's a pretty or cheating bitch is what he says that's a bit extreme mr uh mr mcready so mcgrady mcgrady mcready mcdonald's i don't know <laughs> damn i mean i'll call him mac because when some of the characters call him mac so yeah i mean that's I mean, the short or rj that was his first name i'm not calling him rj you're not calling him RJ? I don't know him well enough to... We're not a, I'm not on a first-name basis with this guy, all right? But I would say this. Clearly, from the opening shot, and as we see moving forward... Well, let me actually give the background of his character that didn't actually show up in the movie. So, apparently, what Carpenter intended for for uh, for Mac was that 
He is supposed to be a ex-Vietnam helicopter pilot who got discharged for some <clears throat> controversial, let's say, thing where people died or something like that. And so he has a lot on his conscience, and that's why he's always drinking, and that's why he has a line later on talking about he doesn't sleep much. Oh, um, he's drinking. This is probably the only scene we see him drinking in. No, nah, he's drinking that throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, he really is, honestly. He's got like a Smirnoff thing like throughout the whole movie. But uh, basically, he's supposed to have like a tragic background pretty much. So why did we not get that? I mean, the, the movie is almost two hours long. Take out the spaceship scene. Heck. You're going to use the space, the whole spaceship opening, add just another 10 more minutes to that, and we get the whole controversial backstory from McGreedy. So apparently, and I don't know how true this is, this is just going by the IMDb trivia, but apparently there is actually, and this contradicts what I said earlier also, so let me add this out, but right out the earlier part, but <laughs> there, is a, there is a version of the movie on one of the Blu-rays, and it's an alternate version. I guess it's like the TV version, but it has like an extra five minutes of character stuff at the beginning. I've never seen this version. Uh, neither have I. I'm extremely curious about what they add there because one of my pet peeves with the movie is that there's too many characters and not enough character development. So, yeah, I think that added for Crustle. But uh, there's a little bit of not, there's there's hints in the movie that basically suggest that this guy has some kind of tragic background because the, you can see, like I said, there's there's a lot of drinking and a well, lot of a lot of hints there. Well, I got one that's not a pet peeve. Uh, Nalls's ver- choice of music is, is superstition is playing, and it just definitely a foreshadow throughout for the whole movie in general. Okay. So I actually I do got a small, a very small uh thing that I just thought about. Um, so you get the dog, they bring the dog in. Usually most people would then check over the dog, make sure it's not you know, sick or anything that could potentially harm anybody in the compound. Yeah. They don't do that. They just bring the dog and let him roam the entire compound. For like a full day, he roams the compound. Yeah. You're telling me y'all didn't even bother. Did they even bother checking this dog over to make sure he was okay? I mean, why are you not curious on why the Norwegian was trying to kill him? They're very, very, very trusting of this dog right off the bat. Right. And that, that obviously actually ends up being their downfall. Yeah, that's that's probably my pet peeve for this little Bit the movie. Here's what they should have done. As soon as the dog showed up, they should have blew it up. No, well, no, not blow it up. Flamethrower. Not yet. Get rid of that dog. Not yet. While they're blowing up the dog, they could say, Doggo! And yeah, blow that, up the dog. So. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> it's, but, a, uh, it's a good one-liner. So. so now we get Copper deciding he wants to go check out the Norwegian base. And McGreedy's just like, seriously? Do you not see what the sky is doing? Do you not see what the storm is about to happen? Well, they say basically that that there must be there must have been, I guess, ten Norwegians uh, in their group, and two of them are dead, of course. So they suspect there might be eight left. They don't know what condition they're in, but they want to be heroes and go check it out. Oh, we find out the condition they're in real quick. Oh yeah, I mean, once we get there, we find out pretty quick that, I mean, my watching that that carnage, my thought was that either motherfucking Jason Voorhees came through this camp or Predator or something because. Oh, well, I mean, we kind of get one of the creatures that was there. The really deformed two-faced or three-faced thingamabob that yeah, they sure. bring back with them. Wait, wait. One thing, though. When they find the um, – at the base when they first come there, they, they find what to me looks like appears to be a frozen hot tub. <laughs> I mean, you need heat somehow. Yeah, they're very suspicious. That looks like a damn frozen hot tub. But, but, um, then the, but they also find one that I don't think could happen. 
I'm not saying it couldn't. I just think I just don't think it could. And that's you know they find the body. Uh, the guy killed himself by slicing his wrist and his neck, and the blood froze from his arms to the ground. Cool. I don't think cool visual, but yeah. it's cool visual. It's very creepy and eerie, but I don't think that would happen. One thing, just to add also, um, the score of this movie is amazing. Like the music is great. It's actually one of the few films that John Carpenter didn't score himself. Even though it sounds like a John Carpenter score, but it's not. Of course, you'd be picking on the music. Man, I love the music. Really sets a tone. This movie is all about atmosphere and the environment, and the winter atmosphere with that music is really, really something else. Makes well, me feel like almost like a Christmas movie. Well, I feel like next year I'm gonna watch Home Alone, Home Alone Two, <laughs> Home Alone Three. No. And then the thing, not not Home Alone Three. No. Remove that. Just stick with one and two. All right, the Santa Claus. The first one. So he becomes Santa Claus. He goes to North Pole. But then they find the spaceship, and the spaceship kills Santa Claus. So the dog gets put in the kennel. <laughs> with, other, with other dogs. So why is it just until the dog goes into the kennel that now the dog starts acting a little weird? I don't know, man. In horror movies, dogs can always sense evil. They always know when evil is lurking. And those other dogs are suspect as hell about this new dog. Oh, hell yeah. Especially since the dog's face rips in four, uh, like a flower, and then a bunch of little tentacles come out like a damn hentai and grabs like three of the dogs. I don't know if this movie could be released today as far as like the amount of violence partaking in these dogs because... Poor doggos. No, the dogs would be CGI. I feel really bad for these dogs. Oh yeah, especially uh, but then... One of them gets like almost like eaten like a damn Tremors. Mm -hmm. Gets like wrapped up with the, the things and just... After it gets completely acidized because the same one that it happens to, it gets shot at with acid, and its entire skin's already melted away by the time it gets a hold of them. I'm curious if acidize is a word. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you made that up. Yeah, I did. But anyway, so uh, now we see the fir- pretty much the first version of this thing, the dog thing. And these this thing is just disgusting looking. It is gross, grotesque, and it is... It's awesome. Yes, it is a great effect. Because I don't know if I've seen anything since then or before, definitely before then, but since then that's just so raw and so like, what the hell am I seeing? Right, so obviously we're having the same reaction that a lot of these characters are having. Huh? His (laughs) his reaction would be uh, Max's reaction is exactly what I would say. Get the damn flamethrower. Where's where, where Child's at? <laughs> right. We're going to need some fire because what else? That's what do they do. And, you know, Max shoots a few of the dogs, shoots the remaining dogs caught by this thing, shoots them so that way they're put it was out a, of their misery. It was, a nice, um, it was a nice little detail that he shoots the other dog and the other guy, I think Clark. Clark. It's like, no, like he really cares for the dog. And that well, was a he, nice little detail. He does. He's the dog, he's the dog keeper, but at the same time, you know, well, McGrady Car- shooting that dog put that dog out of his misery. It was in so much pain at that point. Yeah, and that, and that from what I'm seeing, that's a real dog. Yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Pete would be all over this right now. Well, yeah, but again, now it would be CGI. What they did there was just put like little red blood splotch on the doggo and gave him pets and rubbins while he was behind the scenes. Oh, man, listen, cruelty to animals is such a big thing. I don't think they would even do a CGI dog. You never know. CGI because I don't no think you animals show harmed. animals being harmed anymore on screen. I really think that's where we're at in society. You can't show animals being harmed. I mean, granted, I'm fine with animals not being harmed, but still, besides the point. Well, no, what you do is basically you, you, you harm the animals, but then at the end you have a caption that says, no animals were harmed when they make this movie. <laughs> Remember in Friday 13th where they, um, when they have killed a, every damn dog there is? No, that's Halloween. 
No, 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 no. Yeah. Friday the 13th, all the dogs out of way. In Halloween, the, the dog got choked out. By yeah. <laughs> no, in Friday the 13th, there was like a, a snake or some shit, remember? Oh, yeah, and they uh, chopped the snake's head off, which... And we that... think, and from our observation, we think that might be a real snake. Yeah, that was definitely a real snake. Wow. Yeah, but one thing this movie does very well is that the pace is great because it's a slow burn. We're taking our time. The fact this is 20 minutes in, the first, first visual of the monster is not like in the first five minutes. Highly appreciate that. If it was made today, in the first five minutes, you'd have some bullshit happening. We're already seeing the monster. It takes oh, yeah, time. We, we already did see something like that. It's called the prequel. Oh, yeah, true. That bullshit prequel. Okay, so, yeah, they investigated the Norwegian base, and now they come back with this crazy-ass body. Which they get Blair to do the autopsy of, and Blair's just looking at it like, how? Where do I start? It's like, probably yeah. the chest cavity, dude. That's where most people start with autopsies. But this movie is not for the week of the week of heart. Well, heck no, he pulls out every single yeah. organ known to man. And I'm reminded about the the strong stomachs that doctors have to have because he's just pulling out organs and all this stuff. I'm just like, oh, I'm glad I'm not eating lunch while watching this goddamn movie. I was. What? Were you? <laughs> yeah, chicken livers. What? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. What, uh, what the hell's a chicken liver? The liver of a chicken. That that's an edible thing. People. Yes. Eat? We got you grew up in the backwoods, so. Yeah. What kind of what kind of? But weird, that was mainly a Japanese thing. Yeah. Anyway, I was actually eating like a sausage egg McMuffin. Well, did this like in any way ruin your? your no. Uh, you just got a strong stomach. I'd be like, I lived in the backwoods. Of course, I got a strong stomach. I'd be gagging. So. Um, you ever eaten a raw heart? The time I turned into Jason. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. It was just sitting there, and I was like, man, that's Jason's heart, and I ate it. Turned Jason, killed a few people, and then, uh, I don't know, something happened. I just woke up in the desert, and I was myself again. Nah, I ate a raw deer heart. It was tasty. Oh, raw, raw deer heart. Yes. Okay. Well, so basically, after, after this whole dog, these dog shenanigans, um, Taco. the main takeaway from this is that Blair, gets to, Blair starts to get really suspicious and what happens is he's talking to clark and he basically asks clark like you know what was the dog doing all day and clark reveals that hey like you know the dog was just hanging out and he was like how long were you with the dog it was like for like an hour but the key thing is that blair finds out the dog is pretty much just roaming around the campus but there was one thing we forgot to mention that the dog did go inside somebody's cabin we just don't know who yeah, we see the uh, the shadow silhouette, and you can kind of make out... Well, they do a good job of keeping that vague. Like, I couldn't tell who that was. But we know that one of the characters has been infected first. Yeah. So Blair is basically the first one who's, like, pretty much well, fucked. We're pretty, mu- we're pretty much fucked. Yeah, because Blair does the autopsy on the dog and finds out that it is actually an organism that takes its, ho- takes its victim, absorbs it, and then imitates it exactly. Yes. Now... In this next scene, we do find out that before Bill Gates, before Steve Jobs, there was this guy Blair. Yeah. Because he has a goddamn computer simulation that's like tracing out basically the probability of somebody else on the place being infected. And the probability comes out to 75%. And also the probability of if this creature got to the real world outside of Antarctica, it would take 27,000 hours otherwise known as 1,125 days to infect the entire world. Now, as a viewer watching this, this does seem like almost like, you know, in some horror movies we have like the gypsy who knows the future, the psychic, something to give you some kind of, uh, as we talk about, always like they're like Tony Time Foundation, someone there to give you some background on what's going on. 
And this computer simulation basically has that role, where it's giving us some information that's going to basically take us to the rest of the movie. Well, sort of. I mean, we don't really hear... Blair doesn't tell anybody else about this. It's just something for the audience to be like, okay, now we get some stakes to the movie other than just that dog being the only issue. Yeah, and John Carper himself did come out and say, basically as an audience, he's like, he's like, don't put, he's like, take that simulation with a grain of salt. He was like, the purpose was actually, from from his perspective, was to plant the seed in Blair's head that, you know, he's got to take action now and it's going to carry the plot forward. But he's like, as far as the actual accuracy of it, like take that so, grain of salt. Then here's the real question. Could what we saw on the computer just be a figment of Blair's mind? Maybe. So like it did not even actually come up with that at all. Just something that Blair's mind made the computer pretty much come up with by itself. I mean, I don't know. That's that's a strong leap though. But cuz clearly he believes what he sees cuz the actions he takes afterwards is like pretty extreme. Oh, he go Oh, he goes real extreme. First, he destroys the chopper, then the tractor, well, then the dogs. And 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 that spoils it for us because we're not going to get a scene where someone could say, Get to the chopper! Well, we don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, I just want someone else to say it, though. Kurt Russell, maybe? Because if someone else said it, then as much as Predator ripped off from this, we could say, Well, they also took that damn line. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Kurt no, Russell could be like saying more like, Get to the chopper. No, knowing Kurt Russell, he'd just look at him with his eyes and be like, it just nodges his head towards the chopper. It's like, go. So, but also uh, this is where Bennings also kind of gets uh, taken by this thing. Yeah, and let me just say, like one thing that I'll struggle with, as many times I see the movie, I always struggle with how many characters there are and all the characters' names. Okay, so this has a lot of people and a lot of names here, and there's Bennings and Jennings and Childs and adults and. So it um, makes you feel better. Bennings is the McDonald's guy who got shot in the leg. Chick Fil A. Bennings is the guy who got shot in the leg. Okay, got it. Uh, he ends up getting attacked by the two-faced creature that they brought back from the Norwegian site. And so he had a really bad day. Oh, very. He gets shot, shot in the, the leg, leg, and then that shit. Yeah. Damn. So they take that out, burn that, motherfucker. Damn. Like, they sh- probably should have done the minute they saw that. The minute they saw the dog. <laughs> Doggo! <laughs> what is with you and killing dogs? Oh, my goodness. Well, you know. We're going to get canceled before I get to have a chance at it. I'm not saying kill dogs. I'm saying kill dogs that are secretly aliens. Wait, 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 listen. If you see a dog being chased onto your camp by a Norwegian helicopter and the Norwegians are, like, super set with killing this dog, something's up. But they're being goofy about it. Why should I take them seriously? Well, I mean, clearly they kill them. I mean, yeah, okay, I gotcha. <laughs> exactly. So during the whole this whole kerfuffle with Bennings, you know, you got... Blair destroying the comms room, which honestly, I, I find this scene pretty funny. I don't think that's the right word to use, kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I'm going to use it, We're sir. We're going to get canceled by the grammatical, po- the, the grammar police. That's hey, a, fuck you. Else. Kerfuffle is my word. <laughs> Just like acidize. At the end of the podcast, we're going to look up the definition of kerfuffle. <laughs> I'm going to do it on the podcast. Uh, I'm making a note of that right now. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, honestly, I find this scene pretty funny with Blair destroying the comms room. It's so over the top. It was like between the last scene and this scene, like Blair is like like taking steroids and has roid rage. It's like drank like five Mountain Dews. And Not only like, that, but has a gun and is just shooting at people coming close he's obviously not shooting the people themselves he's shooting like the wall right in front of them to get them to back off well he's not even explaining himself or being logical he's like completely lost his mind he's lost his shit completely oh hell yeah until uh 
what was it? He runs out of bullets, so Kurt Russell runs in with the table and then just gives him that two quick jabs. Yeah, gets him down. And before that, Blair seems like he had superhuman strength. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm questioning, like, was he already a, a damn alien here? Because he was pretty strong. I mean, it's very possible. But as an alien, would he be acting so over the top, though? Very it's, possible. It seems like as the alien's pretty much chill. Nah. Okay. I mean, I mean the aliens like what, to chill. What character you see that's uh, infected that's, like, not just, like, sitting there quietly? Usually he's quiet. There's no character that's, like, talking a lot, then you find out they're the alien. Think about it. It's fine. He's, pro- he's probably infected. The alien does not want to draw attention to himself. He's not going to be like throwing shit around like, ah! Which is why he doesn't sit there and go freaking insane on them. All he does is destroy the comms. And then and then uh, rats out what the aliens could possibly do. He beat up Windows, remember? He was about to kill Windows. No, he wasn't. He, he be- only knocked him out. Yeah, that is, that's crazy behavior. He did not sit there and take the axe to his face. I'm going to make a leap and say he was not an alien at this point. Okay. Just crazy. I mean, we, we never find out exactly when Blair becomes an alien. Yeah, right. We don't, we don't find out. I mean, because I watched it. I talked to my father-in-law. It's one of his favorite movies as well. He doesn't, he can't even remember. I called my dad. My dad's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we never find out. One of the beauties of the movie is that it's a, it's all a guessing game. Oh, yeah. This is a whodunit almost, basically. Uh, and it does really well with building suspense throughout the every scene. In between every one of these creature scenes, it builds up so much suspense that once the creature scene happens, you're just taking it back anyway. <laughs> and, and slowly the characters get more and more isolated. It's like first you find out there's no radio contact, and then all the choppers get destroyed. So it's like now there's no way off. And they're basically saying, like, well, we're going to have to wait out till spring. Not only that, but they also killed the dogs. So it's not like you can take a sled somewhere. And the nearest Wawa is like nine in walking distance. So. Oh, hell no. You'd have to take a ferry for that. So they can't even get like a, a steak and cheese sub or anything. So. Yep. I'm sure they have enough food to last them until spring. They don't show that much food. Do they? I mean, it's, it's interesting. Oh. I would, I would guess they do just because I mean they were gonna be on this base for a while anyways, right? So, yeah. matter of fact, this base is pretty nice. They got pool tables and arcade games, and it looks like a fun place. And also, their blood just st- just sitting there in the uh, in a fridge that somebody decides to come and cut and let it go all over the place. So it would have been a nice spot for vampires. Yeah, all this damn blood. Oh yeah, damn blood bank. Yeah, and without with the storm coming, I doubt the sun's out. They might as well call this place Red Cross. See, the, the blood thing is interesting because I think it shows the intelligence of the alien because they're just talking about, hey, like, we're gonna, we're gonna, we can test the blood out for people to see who's, who's the thing. And the thing is already like a step ahead and already goes and just, immediately destroys the blood. Right. And then, uh, so everyone's pretty much going after each other. The paranoia is setting in. As, as would be, realistically, if you don't know who to trust, and you get a sense that these people are... I mean, they work together, but they're not like family or like that. Mm-mm. And to be honest with you, half of them don't even like each other. No, I don't, no. Think, I don't think anybody likes Childs, so. though. <laughs> no one likes Childs. Uh, Windows doesn't like anybody. No, Windows is just paranoid and always anxious and stuff. So. so, now here's, so they're talking about doing this test first, but we get our little scene where Kurt Russell's making his little uh, audio diary. Well, I like to say he's making a podcast. Nah. He's saying if anybody, you know, if anything happens to us, you'll... I'll hide this so you can find it. And then he does, he just reviews movies and stuff. Around so, so I think there's some cutscenes there where he's actually, he's like, now 
I'm going to review my favorite movie for you. And they cut that part out, though. So. Yeah, probably. But he does say something that is that could potentially be a continuity error if you look at it that way. Or if you're Vic, you know, you'd probably explain it one way or the other. In an earlier scene, Knowles comes out of the kitchen, says, who in the world threw their dirty draws in the trash can? That is unsanitary. Somebody get this shit out of my damn kitchen. Okay. He throws a pair of shredded lawn jogs. Well, Kurt Russell's talking to this recording and says Windows is the one who found it. I'm going to chalk it up to the fact that Kurt Russell, Mac, is clearly a raging alcoholic and his memory wouldn't be that good because of that. And he just forgot. If we say it's a, lo- a continuing error, we're just assuming the character couldn't have forgot. And it's logical that he could have forgotten. The fact that Blair now has a noose ready for him in his cabin. Yeah. Did you notice? Did you pick that up? Because this is literally right next to him when McGreedy goes to check on him. I mean, the guy's lost his mind completely. Although he's telling them, basically, I don't need to be in here and let me out. Which anybody guilty would say that. So. Yeah. Uh, this, is all, this is around the time we also find out Fuchs is dead. Now, Fuchs, who actually was coming up with a plan. Like, he seemed to be... The movie's doing a good job also of, like, like getting rid of the smart characters. Like, the smarter you are, the more likely you're about to die in the movie pretty much well yeah because the alien doesn't want the smart characters living they're gonna eventually beat him yeah they want to be left with uh mcgriddle so mcgriddle <laughs> yeah um you're just gonna change his name every five seconds aren't you well there's so many mcdonald's combinations that you can throw out there there's mcgriddle the mcrib mcmuffin mcshake uh mccoffee mcnugget <laughs> you running. always gotta protect them mcnuggets the mcnuggets yeah fuke apparently i mean they find his charred skeleton and the remains in the snow and you know there's a logical explanation of like you know why do they burn it and well they're asking why they burn it and there's a couple things and then Kurt Russell tries to give him an honorable death by saying maybe he maybe he burned himself in order to not get I'm like no I don't think so I think so that's very very heroic but I don't think he would have flamed out himself so no I would have done it to myself because I'd be like fuck you I don't want to I guarantee you burning probably doesn't feel as bad as whatever this thing does to you I, I disagree because... Have you not you know, seen some of the kills this thing has done already? Yeah, but what he does to you, though, is you're still alive, though. You don't even know, you don't even know that you've been infected. You're going to feel no, burning the charcoal a little bit more oh, than no. that. This thing kills you first, absorbs you, and then it imitates you. You're still dead. I don't know. Yes. Is that, is that well established? Yes. It was established with the dogs. You see the dog inside of him. The thing was already starting to absorb oh, him. The yeah, dog was yeah, already yeah, dead. Yeah. I still think that's not as bad as being burnt to a charcoal crisp, right? Depends on if you're still alive as the thing is absorbing you. I guarantee you that's probably a painful, slow death. Well, listen, I hope we never have to find out, so. <laughs> I don't know. That could be what death's design is for us. Oh, great. Death, yeah. No one saved me yet, so death is still after me. Do me a favor. If you're listening to the radio and you win some contest where they offer you two tickets to Antarctica, don't accept the tickets. If you do, don't invite me. No, because then I get the feeling I'll be in it. I know what you did last summer situation. Exactly. And they took the tickets and they went. Yeah. And, all her and then died. all, almost all of them, except for Brandy Norwood, Jennifer Love Hewitt, and Freddie Prince Jr. Interesting you use Brandy's last name. Let's call her Brandy. Nah, her last name's Norwood, though, so why not? Moesha was 30 years ago. <laughs> was it? It was in the 90s. Norris has stomach pains. <laughs> yes. Now, there's two scenarios there. Either... You know, he ate some bad food, or he's the thing. Or both. Oh, true. Could be both. I think something inside of him is poking to get out. It's either Freddy Krueger or the thing. Well, or can, or bad, a bad pizza. Well, considering the fact he dies in the storage room, I guess we'll never find out now, will we? 
No, and they're pretty quick to try to give him CPR. Yep, they're trying to get him because they're trying to bring him back to life. But what? How did he die again? What heart attack? He jumped on McGriddle, and McGriddle like throws him off, and he flies back against the bookcase and just dies there. Yeah, so I'm whatever, but apparently he I, wasn't the thing anyway. Well, I feel like knowing what's going on there, why are they so quick to like do the autopsy on him? Well, no, do the CPR on him because he's dead. He's been dead for like five minutes at that point. Yeah, his, if they did bring him back, he'd be brain dead. He might as well just let him die. We end up losing the doc. Yeah, because the doc sits there and throws it, and this whole stomach just opens up with fucking teeth out the... And rips his arms off. Yeah, and I'm just like, huh? I'm like, you need the doc. Well, apparently you don't need him now because he did. Without the doc, how are you going to go back to the future? Never mind. But anyway, we got probably the best practical effects scene I've seen in this whole movie. Great Scott! This effect was amazing. Oh my gosh, the the way the thing just turns into the whatever the hell it is. We got to just take a moment and say that the effects in this movie are practical and amazing. No CGI here. This is all just real makeup artists and effects people. Yep. So uh, McMuffin burns them and the head tries to run away, but Knowles finds them and it's pretty funny. Knowles is like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like they're, just, they're not even scared anymore. They're just done with this shit. <laughs> yeah. At this point, like paranoia, frustration, everything is set to like level 10 now basically <laughs> and yeah. so they burn so they burn the head the spider head which has been done in multiple movies including the remake to it chapter two and you can tell the faculty took some shit from this movie of oh yeah because they did a head moving thing but they used more with, like octopus tentacles instead of spider legs you're talking about with famke yeah actually apparently the way you pronounce her name is famke no way yeah i looked famke? it up famke i would have never guessed that neither would i, I holy thought, crap well, good I, I've good always, job looking it up, but yeah, man. I wow. always thought Famke was probably the way to say it. Apparently, she's a Dutch actress. And yeah, when you get to the K-E, it's literally might as well be K-E-E. I wonder if her friends just call her Fam. Probably. That means she needs to be the next Fast and the Furious movie. Because it's all about Familia and Fam. Never do that again. Familia. I will throw something at you. This is the only dumb scene in this movie when Clark attacks McMuffin. And this is, by the way, this is extra funny because you said you had a McMuffin <laughs> earlier, but... Um, well, you're going to change his name to McDonald's stuff. Might as well. So in this scene, the McRib has the gun, and Knowles and, uh, and McGriddle, they had went to McGriddle's room because apparently the light was on, and he's like, well, I, I turned the light off last night. So they go to investigate. Knowles finds something like a, a clothing or something that... Was ripped. Was ripped, so... He um he runs back, leads McGriddle back there, and tells her as a true snitch tells everybody like you know, I found this, and now they all think that McGriddle is the thing. Yep. So, so McGriddle has no choice but to break into one of the rooms, and upon being surrounded surrounded by the lot of them, he has to threaten them with a stick of dynamite. I'm gonna yep. blow up the whole damn thing if you guys come near me. Yep, and that's where we get the whole Norris thing going on with that part. Now, now McNuggets currently has the flamethrower and the gun. Yes. Now, um, our rocket scientist, uh, Clark, who has probably, from what I can tell, the smallest damn pocket knife I've ever seen. Oh, it's a scalpel. But anyway, they've been showing the scalpel for, what, two scenes now? Yeah. So, you kinda, so I had a feeling, everyone had a feeling that 
Clark was going to try and use it. But it was, it's the uh, Cheklops gun thing or whatever like that. So. Yeah, you know, you show you show a gun, it absolutely has to go off by the third act. Yeah, so if you show a scalpel, then... It yeah. absolutely has to be used by the third Dr. act. Dr. Giggles better be in this movie. So. Yeah, so Clark decides... What, to what, attack what, a man with what, a gun. What is his plan here? Because he's not super close to him. He's at least like five feet away. He's got a little scalpel, and the guy in McGriddle has a gun. What, so what, 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 what's the plan of attack here? His plan of attack should have been, you know, slowly get closer to him. He's behind him. McNuggets is not going to be able to see him. Hell no. Slowly get close to him, and then when you're in attack range... Then do it. No, Clark just jumps straight at him, makes so much noise that fucking McNugget turns around, bang. Yeah, basically anybody would have seen that coming would have shot him. Cause he wasn't he wasn't close enough. He made too obvious of a move. And even if he did get him, like I said, he would have to, he would have had to kill him with the first shot. With his one stab would have had to kill him, otherwise he was gonna die. Or at the very least, you know, use it against his arm to make him drop the gun. So I'm gonna go ahead and um we have a spoiler, not a spoiler. I'm going to go ahead and announce this right now. For me, because we have a new category of our standout actor and worst actor, I'm going to go ahead and give Clark the worst actor award. Yeah. Because, and not even because of the actor, but because of the character. I was I'm, about to say, he did, it, that should be more of a worst performance or worst standout scene role. Because the man just died for no reason, basically. <laughs> Clark, you could have made it to the end. Like, okay, in that room, right? Nobody else is thinking to, like, try to jump McGriddle because he has a gun. Well, they were all also in his line of sight at the same time. So McCoffee could have easily burnt them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've had some burnt coffee from from McDonald's before. And, you know, they kind of... Well, so has the woman that burnt that... Uh, burnt Sued him. Sued McDonald's. She got, like, a million dollars. Yeah. I know she got a burn, but I wish that would happen to me because she got paid. <laughs> it would have been worth it to take that burn to get that, that lawsuit going. We have to. We're, we're gonna end up with two survivors in the movie. You know, we have McGriddle. We have Child's Filet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we know Clark is the Burke well, This movie has very smart characters. They're continually on the fly, coming up with plans to move forward. And in this case, the most realistic thing is, even though uh, McGriddle isn't himself per se like a scientist, right? He's a pilot. He still kind of comes up randomly with the idea of that the thing separated would still react like the blood would react right so we can take their blood and just do that and it's part of the blood still now i don't know where in his pilot licensing classes that kind of wisdom came to him and also this is a very suspenseful thing because now we're getting to the point where they're like with clark because everyone's saying he murdered clark now no you're you're getting to down the blood just to see maybe clark was the thing the whole time i thought the movie would protect its main character by having Clark as the thing because then it's like, well, he shot him, but he really shot the animal. I think that that scene was more of a more morality thing. I mean, Clark did still jump him, but everyone's so paranoid that you can't blame Clark for attacking McGriddle. But to be honest, can you really still blame McNuggets for shooting him? I mean, it was still, in a sense, self-defense. I think there's they're shooting to disarm and they're shooting to kill. Well, if the and guy killed him. Well, with the guy lunging at him, he really had no choice. There was not much time before that damn scalpel went into his neck. But was Clark really aiming to kill him? It's very possible. I, that doesn't make sense from Clark's perspective either. And besides, why? Well, I think I think Clark was aiming to 
disarm him, get the gun from him. Which is very But he possible. wasn't going to stab him in the throat and kill him, I don't think. Again, you, we, we won't know now. Either way, <laughs> either way it was going to be murder, I guess. It was who gets murdered first. Exactly. And, you know... Uh, I still classify it, for me, that's class... I still classify it as self-defense. And it would be the same thing if Clark did get a hold of him because of the paranoia. All I'm saying is, Clark could have been, you know... Smarter. He could have been a long-lasting quarter pounder but he ended up like the McPizza. Yeah. And did McDonald's really make a pizza? It was a McPizza, it was short lived. What the f it was it was it was shorter than Clark's runtime in this movie. Damn it, Clark lasted for half the movie. He fell victim to the Big Mac, so <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, uh yeah, let's get back to the blood test. I was wondering if we were going to get to say something else other than the few mix that we were coming through. <laughs> you gotta you gotta throw the Big Mac out there. <laughs> That's, that's who Mac is in this movie. But, um, Shame there's no Mac doubles. Yeah, true. <laughs> oh, man. I can use that later on. Um, yeah, so the blood testing scene, you're right. It's a lot of suspense because, you know, everybody's tied up, and we're going to slowly go down the line and expose who the thing is and expose who's telling the truth. And unfortunately, Clark is exposed as not being the thing, so he's just a human being who got shot. So I do actually like, uh, you know, because it was a child's was damning McGreedy for killing they, they Clark. Really, they really set up Childs initially as like, he's going to be like the human villain. Right. I don't know most how, of these movies, you always get a human villain. And they do a good job, I think, of not... They don't go over the top with it. They don't, they don't go too far with it. Childs really is just suspect of McGreedy. Once things are cleared up, he's a cool guy again. Right, but... but uh, they almost go too far with it. And, and McGreedy even goes, well, that's why I'm saving you for last because I get the feeling we're going to know... I get the feeling I'm right about you. Hits Palmer's blood, and then that blood activates. That was a good... So That was a jump, jump scare. That was a jump scare. Because that shit, yeah, it pops Cause like, a, lot like of a firecracker. People, a lot of people were then actually probably expecting, okay, when he gets the child, that's going to react. All of a sudden, pew! I was like, holy mother of dicks. I can see that coming because, again, my theory is that the thing typically is like kind of quiet and reserved. Childs is way too animated and way too confrontational. Cause, um, cause, well, look who plays him. Because like, McNugget has a scene, basically, where he says, like, he's like, the thing doesn't want to be discovered. He, he wants to be quiet and stay in the body. He's, he gets nervous when he's out in the thing. So if you're inhibiting the human being, you're going to be as like, low-key as possible. You're not going to be like, Childs is like, just way too like, adversarial. So, so it's, obviously, it's the one character in the scene who hasn't really spoken is the one who ends up being the thing. Which happens to be Palmer, who, to be honest, I think was on drugs almost this whole movie. Because every time you see him before he becomes an alien, he's very jittery. He's he, he just can't sit still. He either has really bad ADHD and needs some Adderall, or he on drugs. I'm thinking at least one of the characters smuggled some drugs on his base. That wouldn't surprise me. It would probably be Palmer. Yeah, probably. And now we don't even need to worry about it because he starts thinganizing himself. Well, all, all hell breaks loose once this thing is revealed because... Um, well, the the theme of this scene is going to be poor windows. Dude, right. I mean, he, we, well, he he gets his windows washed. So, well, not only poor windows, but stupid ass windows. I mean, what the hell? He's just, he, he's just he's sat there. He's being a good soldier and taking orders, but he gets on it over his head, and he, I think he goes in a shock when he sees what's going on because he clearly doesn't react. He, well, he has a flamethrower in his hands, though, right? Right, and he has it aimed at it. All he has to do is pull the trigger, and all of a sudden, the thing's head comes in half and bites him in the face and lifts him. And... Anyway, he lifts him, and 
about three minutes goes by of like the window is just getting like his, his head sucked out or something yeah like that. and you hear him be like ah yeah, yeah he ain't dying yet he's now that was one effect though that seemed a little bit off because you know it's like the body shrink it was, a, it was most it was like, like a, a miniature doll. yeah it was like a doll mannequin something you could like hear that. him but it didn't look like a human body no but i thought like a i thought either his head wasn't ripped off or something like that but then he gets spit out and he's, he's still intact yeah and they probably didn't have the budget at the moment for that he gets spit out and he's all bloody and then eventually gets burned to shreds because now he's one of the things. He'd be goofy. Yeah, he'd be, uh, I said goofy. <laughs> well, basically, once he gets spit out, he looks like a McRib. So. Yeah. Nah, McRibs look a little better than that. Yeah, probably. I think this scene, though, it's funny. This scene seems to um, bond the remaining characters back together. Yeah, because now... now they... After this, there's no more beef between... Uh, McGriddle and Childs. Yeah, because... There's like a new trust there. Yeah, because now that McNuggets knows he's not infected and Child Filet knows that McMuffin isn't uh, infected. Yeah. And I actually love Gary's lines. Like, I know everyone's been paranoid. Everyone's been... This is a very stressful situation. But if y'all can stop hugging each other and get me out of this fucking chair, that'd be nice. Yeah, because the funny thing is when when it's revealed who the thing is, like, the other characters are, like, tied to their chairs. Oh, They're like, ah, get me out of here! And that's very realistic. Um, And then after they take care of them, uh, instead of letting the characters up yet, he goes ahead and tests them just to make sure. I thought it would have been bad continuity if, like, you know, you skip from that to, like, not going back to, like, showing them getting tested. Right. You have to. And um, and even, so when they go back to retest, well, the, the cool thing is, too, is, like, Childs, at that top point, is actually kind of worried. He's actually now doesn't know if he's a thing or not. <laughs> and he's kind of looking at it as, like, man. And that's, I think that's the cool thing about the movie is that it shows that the characters, they don't know if they're the thing or not. Although, Morgiddo's pretty confident. He's like, now I'm going to show you what I've already known. It'd be funny if you did that and he was like, ah, Which makes me wonder, is like, why do that when it's been established multiple times throughout this that once the thing takes you, it's because it absorbed you completely. You are no longer you. You are dead. Which means the thing would know if it's a thing or not. But this is why I'm, this is why I'm like not convinced that they really die because clearly it's still sort of their brain because it has their personality sort of. It, but again, it's very it's tricky. A, if it absorbs them, then it's going to get that personality. It's going to understand how this person ticks, how to act, so that way it doesn't look like it's out. It's something completely different. So I know the characters are worried that they might be the thing, but yeah, is there an example of like a person who's the thing who actually doesn't know they're the thing? No, not at all. But yeah, we know you're right. And we never see them actually, somebody who's actually paranoid that I might be the thing, and then they find out they're the thing. <laughs> So it's very, you're right, it's very interesting. So we could now, probably discuss that for a long time, but then we'd go into it. Right, so now we're pretty much go ahead and get to the climax of this movie in a sense, because, you know, the rest of this from here on out is them deciding, you know what, we're not surviving this, but we need to make sure this thing does not get itself frozen again so it can get saved. They're thinking big picture based at this point. It's not about them, it's about saving civilization, the human species. Because if this thing makes it off the base, then as we saw, Within 22 days, or whatever it was, within 22 years, you know, our only hope is going to be that the damn Jeepers Creepers monster comes out at that exact 22-year point <laughs> and takes on the thing. Yeah, and hope... And my money's on the Creeper! No, I don't think so. Depends on... I mean, now that the Creeper's been sold off to an actual company and not being made by Victor Salva no more? Maybe. Well, the... Th- the the Creeper in Part 3 was pretty much Batman, so... <laughs> if we get that version of him with, like, his own Batmobile, then who knows? Right. So, 
You're right. Now it's about basically let's burn this whole damn place down. So now they're setting up charges. They tell... I don't know why they did this. They should all just stick together at this point. But they tell Childs to wait. And if uh, Blair comes back without them, burn them. Yeah. And that's also when they find the spaceship. I would say they should stick together because you want as many flamethrowers as possible. And, and, yes. and by the way... What you're saying is exactly right because Childs ends up like running into the storm and disappearing. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> good, good job, Childs. He saw he saw a damn Chick Fil A in the distance and was like, "Oh, breakfast!" Exactly. So, uh, pretty much the climax is McNuggets, Gary, and Knowles. And, and and to be honest, Gary has had has done more than Knowles has done throughout this whole movie. Knowles has just been there. Yeah, but you kind of know they're both goners. Oh, yeah, especially when Blair attacks him and starts shoving his fingers into Gary's face to keep him from screaming. And I got to say, like, like one flaw of the movie, this is why, you know, well, let me take that back. One flaw of this movie is that the characters aren't developed to a point where, like, when Gary's getting killed, I don't care at all. Eh. I actually, I actually have no reaction. I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel bad for him. I don't feel good. I'm just like, eh. And Noel's too. When Noel's gets killed, which also is off screen, we don't. Maybe he didn't get even killed. Maybe he just ran off in the distance and found a Denny's, because we don't see what happened to Noel's. Most likely, he froze to death if he got out of there. He died in a stupid way though, because he actually he's with Kurt Russell. He's with McGriddle, mm-hmm. but he decides to slowly walk away towards some weird thing happening without saying anything. By the way, and he doesn't even make a noise. It was just. Poof. Had he just stayed there with McGriddle, he probably would make it back with, with them and Childs. Yeah, and then freeze to death. So Knowles gets the, if there was a second worst character after Clark, then I'm gonna have to, I would have to give that to, to Knowles because he should have Knowles better. <laughs> and I'm, I mean that by he should have known better. So. Um, you and your puns. So the, um, the actual defeating of the thing is pretty simplistic. Yeah, they just, he There's just... There's really no struggle there. Yeah. He has a stick of dynamite. He's like, hey, it's in my hand. Here you go, buddy. And I know it's but the uh, complexity against this thing is the fact that it takes the uh, original thing that he was going to use to explode the compound. With it. it takes that and then shoots up. But I would think it would be a little bit more intense if, say, the tentacles were reaching out for Kurt Russell trying to get him and Kurt was jumping back and forth trying not to get as, hit. As, um, as well-paced as the movie is and as much as it takes its time, there is a little bit of feeling of rushed at the ending. Oh, yeah. Because once we get to this point, you're right. There's, you're thinking, okay, you're thinking McGriddle versus Thing. We're about to get some kind of epic battle here. It's like one minute long. Right. From the time that Knowles dies, like one minute later, he blows up the Thing. There's no struggle there at all. No, he just jumps out of the way, throws a stick of dynamite, blows it up. It's like the visual of the thing is amazing. Oh yeah, that final form with like four different faces and it's like and nine feet tall. Like a dog face coming out of the stomach. But um, it, but you know, now to be fair, the movie had only a fifteen million dollar budget. It wasn't this was not a big budget movie, which is, makes it way more impressive. But yeah, the, you almost get a feeling like um, that once he blows them up, like I was thinking that. There were, that was like um, the we think it's dead but it comes back one more time uh, thing but now you go straight to the ending it's no, like that ending is like literally like five minutes long the whole but thing the, yeah but at least the ending kind of gives you the uh, possibility you know is one of these two the thing I mean we still follow Kurt Russell practically the whole movie so we pretty much can tell at this point that he's probably not the thing but can Childs be Remember, he did run out saying he stating he saw Blair. 
So we have Childs and we have Magritte there at the end. And I don't know if you've heard the theories, but one theory is that you see Magritte breathing the, the, the smoke, right? But that apparently Childs, you don't see the breath. So that's one theory of why, where he may be the thing. You don't see his breath. He's well, not breathing. Actually, uh, apparently, if you are cold enough, after a while, your body will stop producing heat at all, which means you wouldn't even have a breath no more. Mm. So that is still a normal response. But the problem is, if you're at that point, you're pr- you're practically dead. I Plus, mean, as far as being cold enough, like Childs even says though that like the temperature around the camp has gone up now because of the fire. Right. So they should actually be cooling down and getting warmer now. Yeah. Um, so and now the only issue is, and then they bring up is like, but this it won't last long. I mean, the storm that's supposed to be hitting them very shortly is supposed to be bring temperatures of negative 100 degrees. That's going to freeze them in, not even, in seconds. McNugget makes the right decision as far as like, hey, like, just in case we are, one of us is the thing, we might as well just sit here and like... Watch each other. Yeah, and he was like, if anybody has a surprise for, for the other one, the other person's not going to be able to defend themselves anyway. So. Yeah, they're both pretty pretty tired. I mean, Child really should be able to defend himself if it is Kurt Russell. Well, Child still has the flamethrower too, right? Yeah, that's why I said uh, he should be able to defend himself if it is I, Kurt. I tend to, um, if you read fan theories, like fans, they they want the, like I'm pretty optimistic. I'm like, okay, I, I don't think either of them are the thing. But fans want Child to be the thing. They want that, oh yeah, he's the thing. But I think the thing is dead. I think Child's just, I mean, you know, our, the only thing that sucks about Child is that like his wording, he's like, I thought I saw Blair. And I got lost in the storm. Anytime someone says some bullshit, like, I got lost in the storm, it does sound funny. Right. But I'm going to optimistically say, in my opinion, I feel like neither of them is a thing. Right. I, I think they both die. But Oh, yeah, they both die. Because nobody's um, coming to help them. But, but uh, granted, I already, told, already mentioned when I was uh, bullshitting with that, with uh, the prequel, but you said you're editing that out. So, uh, one theory. Well, only because I feel like. Nobody wants to hear about the people. <laughs> right, so uh, I'm going to bring up that uh, there was a potential talk of a... There's a deleted scene and a potential theory uh, talk about a theory that happened, but there was a deleted scene apparently where Kurt Russell moves back his hair a little bit and you see an earring in his hair. Hmm. And in the ending, if you are able to pay attention, there was go- not going to be an earring in the ear afterwards. And there is the fact that the organism the thing is not able to produce inorganic material showing that russell would have been the thing at that point had they continued that continuity wow okay but since they left it so open-ended and didn't show either of those maybe it's better left open-ended though because it does allow people just to talk about and discuss theories and stuff yeah like you want to leave the audience like kind of guessing so it does a good job of that yeah the part that pisses me off about that about knowing that is the prequel where it rips it off and does it stupidly. <laughs> well, the prequel, that's pretty much sums up the sequel, or the prequel altogether. <laughs> it rips it off and does things stupidly. That describes the prequel to a T. So my standout character, you know, I'm going to go very... Let me guess. Windows. <laughs> no? I said standout. Yeah, he stood out. His death scene stood out <laughs> as being brutal. So to be to be completely honest with you, my standout is act is going to be McGriddle. I mean, he's oh he, yes, of course. He came up with all the ideas. They eventually, yeah, he got some ideas from other people, but he eventually was the one who said, "Okay, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it this way." He came up with all the ideas. They eventually got them to eventually beat the final thing. 
Well, let's be honest. I mean, Kurt Russell is a star. Oh, yeah. And this is not like an accident that he's a star. He's he's a great leading man. But the the other thing is none of the other characters, as you've mentioned multiple times, really did anything to stand out at all throughout this whole movie. It's going to be my one complaint as we move towards our final thoughts in a minute. Be the one thing holding me back from rating it as highly as, as may I would have is that there's too many characters and like I yeah the standout character to me is definitely McGriddle definitely McNugget because he's he's given the most to do he's always the one doing the heroic shit and, he, and you're right not that but he's always the one um, especially once the smarter people die like once Blair's out of the picture once the doctor's gone like everything they do is based on McGriddle's plans so now, definitely stand out now, also talking about this, originally I was not going to give like a worst character, but now that we've kind of talked about it, I'm going to give it to Doc Copper. The poor man lost his arms, and you're you're also giving the worst character. What? what he did, should what not have you? tried to CPR on an already dead man. That was stupid. That so originally I was going to give it to no one because even forgettable characters they didn't really do anything to wor- to warrant worst character. The doctor basically killed himself, you're saying, because you're right. All these dead bodies flying around. Why does he care so much about reviving <laughs> reviving this guy? Like, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, the blood scene was my best scene, but so you can give your best scene there. My, my, one of my favorite my favorite scene, because you get said blood scene, I don't want to copy you. Uh, I'm going to do is the one where everyone's trying to decide who's in charge. Oh, yeah. Because you still got all these characters. They're still all pretty... Uh, high up there on you know who should be in charge but at the same time none of them are even they're all still paranoid about the others so they're worried about relinquishing any kind of charge to anyone else true so i thought that was a pretty intense scene besides the storeroom scene but that scene didn't last too long for me to give a shit it's funny that like nobody wanted child to be in charge child's <laughs> like i'll do it like no <laughs> right like they by default mcgriddle takes the leadership role there and Worst scene for me was the beginning. How fucking goofy it was. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't really think about the worst scene. I would have to say the worst scene for me... You know, it's funny. It, it I guess... It, I don't want to copy either, but for me it is the beginning, right? The beginning it's is just... It's just so goofy. The, if, if the beginning sets the tone of the movie, then that first scene with the Norwegian guy... It does make it seem like we're about to watch a bad movie. <laughs> right. If I was just going by that and projecting, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be some bullshit. But oh, then it yeah. picks up right after that, but that, so, that is goofy, right? Right. So go ahead and give your final thoughts. So for me, I'm, I mean, I'm the biggest John Carpenter fan. This is actually John Carpenter himself. Like, this is his favorite movie that he's done. He's like, I'm a not surprised. Now, when it first came out, it didn't do well in theaters, and it actually got panned by the critics. And over time, slowly, critics and fans came around and were like, whoa, wait a minute, this is a really good movie. So now it has like a great reputation, but when it first came out, it bombed at the box office and actually hurt Carpenter's career. I was actually going to mention that myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting. It's like just literally how wrong they were in the moment. And given over time, it's, it's, it has a great reputation now. The thing about this movie is that the setting, the Antarctica winter setting, is so unique for horror movies I can't think of any other movie outside maybe like Jack Frost. <laughs> but that's, that didn't even take place in Antarctica. Yeah. I, and this is not even a Christmas movie too, so this was, makes it even more unique. But that setting is so cool. Like I, like I said, I get the chills watching it. And so the, the environment's very unique. The music is unique. The movie has a great feeling of isolation. 
It really does feel like these characters are stuck because they are. So, and then, of course, the effects. You can't say enough about practical effects from the 80s that still hold up now. The Thing is like a unique monster. Like, I don't know who the hell came up with what The Thing looks like, but it's pretty crazy. Why the movie is not like perfect for me, I can't give it four stars or even three and a half stars for me is just that I do feel like there's too many characters and as long as the movie is, I would have liked an extra 10 minutes in the beginning just to actually get to know the characters a little bit more, maybe a little more about their background. We don't know anything about these people. Like, if I'm reading the characters, the character themselves is like a C. and Everything else in the movie is an A. So it's like the C is bringing down the A to a B for me. So I'm going to give it three stars. A little bit of character development would have been three and a half stars with great characters. This would have been a four-star four star movie because the atmosphere, the music, the directing, the effects, everything else is like an A+. My final thoughts is a great, a great movie overall. Loved it. Almost threw that out there multiple times throughout this review. I probably have and just didn't realize it. Look, I'm sitting next to Nick, and he cannot contain his joy while talking about this movie so so this movie is great it gives you that it gives you the sense of dread that horror movies should give you and it definitely makes you feel cold to the not only with the area around due to where the movie takes place but kind of cold towards the situation itself it, yeah you don't care about a lot of the characters but we do still get a few a, de- a few decent ones you know copper wasn't that bad of a character and child's you know keith david definitely did his role as child's pretty pretty well considering it's his first movie oh damn so and of course kurt russell can never go wrong with a kurt russell movie and overall for me you know all the other characters lackluster and the beginning was just so fucking goofy i cannot you hate that beginning. I hate that beginning. <laughs> so for me, this movie is a three as well. I, I really thought you were going to go three and a half. I was going to if it wasn't for the goddamn beginning. <laughs> if it was just the characters, I would have given it a three and a half, but that beginning just kills it for me. Wow. A lot of people like would give this a four, and I'm not mad at them if they do. Oh, no. There's so much good about this movie, but it's not one that, like, once you know what's going to happen, it doesn't have that, like, sort of cheesy rewatchability that, like, say... Like um, Friday the 13th, they have a lot of cheesy rewatchability. Yeah, like I'd, I'd watch Friday the 13th Part 3, for example, before watching this, even though this is a way better movie. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, um, thanks for everybody for partaking in this podcast. And until next week, let me just say that if you and your friends are suspect of each other, maybe one of you is an alien, it's okay to have a blood test and figure out who's, who's who. So, if anyone, if you really want to know who's an alien, just send them to letswatchabmovie.com. If they do not subscribe, they're an alien. Burn them. And then go to McDonald's and in honor of McGriddle, McReady, the Big Mac, Kurt Russell, order whatever you want off the menu and have a good, have a good meal. Yeah, because they all have mix in them. If you live in a small town that still has a McPizza, try that too. Oh, yeah. And always remember, you just got to protect the McNuggets. And stay away from Burger King. That's it. Have a good night, everybody.